If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A Radio Info Raw Edit podcast. The conversations behind our reports. I think today's result is what I'd describe as a credible result. We've seen our um, earnings or EBITDA go up by 16.3% to $46.5 million. We have seen the audio revenues, you rightfully uh, point out, grow by 11.5%, up to $198 million. We have seen um, our digital audio revenue grow by 36% to $10.5 million. We've had an affiliation change in the middle of um, you know, the, the year or starting the half from Channel 9 to Channel 10 for our television assets. And importantly, we've grown earnings there by 27.3% to $17.5 million. And finally, you know, we've been able to manage our cost base and our group expenses in the last six months actually contracted by 2.6% or $6 million. And that's off the back of a very, you know, um, substantial investment within our digital audio um, assets, most importantly, uh, in the launch and maturity of Listener. So all round, we see this as a quite credible result, respecting in the marketplace that we've had uh, extended lockdowns in both Sydney and Melbourne, which has changed the shape of the recovery and probably dampened uh, some of the enthusiasm from agencies and advertisers in the marketplace, albeit when they ended at the end of October, we saw a really strong bounce in November and December. But, you know, we didn't plan for Delta. We didn't plan for Omicron. So those things have been some headwind for all the marketplace. Uh, but here we sit, entering a new year. Hopefully those things are starting to, um, you know, dissipate and that markets are starting to open up. And hopefully business and consumer confidence gets back to a level of normality that actually allows us to, you know, to prosper and grow as we move forward. I was looking at the ARN results yesterday and they, looking forward, said that February had not been as good as they expected, but that um, a lot of advertisers had moved their February bookings to March and April. Um, so they weren't pessimistic about it. It was just that same kind of thing as you're talking about uh, advertisers adapting to what's going on around them. Have you found the same thing looking at February and over the next few months? Yeah, let, let me answer firstly. If we look back at today's result um, for Metro Radio, um, we did grow above market um, in, the, uh, in the Metro market and obviously took market share in that period, so we were pleased with that result. Coming into January... Uh, February and March, I do concur with uh, with Kieran's outlook, and for the same reason I just said there was some unexpected lag effect from Omicron. I think you know we would concur with that that the rate of recovery uh, was dampened um, by those influences. Nevertheless, in January our revenues were up three percent uh, on the prior year. In February and March, it will be stronger than that. 
in actual fact, for Q3, we expect the wool grow by mid-single digits um, across the quarter. And for Q4, um, we would hope to see a strengthening of Q4, obviously, as there is a level of normality. And importantly, you have the influence of the federal election. Um, so, yes, I do concur with the sentiments that uh, Kieran has put forward. Uh, we are performing slightly above uh, a similar uh, trajectory to, uh, to what was put forward there. Um, but I do think we still need a stronger level of normality and audio as a marketplace still does lag TV in terms of its recovery. And the lag is about 15%. And the value of 15% is about $100 million across the radio market. So once we see you know, three or four key categories that include you know, uh, retail, who have had and endured a lot of supply chain issues, You've had restrictions for live entertainment and sport, so that'll start to open up. You see finance and insurance return to a level of normality, and most importantly, have auto back in the market. They're very strong contributors and supporters of, of radio and audio, and we, we'd like to see them back. And when they do come back, that's about $100 million extra coming back in potentially to the uh, radio market on an annualised basis. Well, talking uh, talking to those auto dealers and their agencies, the big issue, of course, is getting cars shipped to Australia. Is there any indication when that'll start again? Yeah, it's, we have close contact with each of those at, at two levels, one at the national brand level and secondly at the dealer principal level um, within the local market, um, you know, as some of our largest SME markets. Uh, and advertisers. I think you saw a quote the other day from um, Toyota, um, and you know the national managing uh, the national managing um, uh, marketing manager of Toyota said, "It's not as bad as you think, but yes, we do have supply chain issues. They can't remain absent from the market, um, and that in actual fact, you know they will start to re-enter the market. There is no question that there are delays." But I think some of the delays are exaggerated by certain people in the market. And I think that's their own issue to deal with and the conundrum they have. Uh, but nevertheless, what we are seeing is we're seeing a level of interest coming back uh, supported by more advertising, but it's far from where we'd, we'd say normality is. Yeah, that's a great overview. I just want to ask one more question relating to directly to the financials and then just talk a little bit wider about some strategies. Um, and I'm wondering if the Lawrence Mooney court action is going to have any effect on your bottom line. Are you budgeting for a big payout? No, it'll have no, no effect on our bottom line at all. Um, you know, I can't talk to that issue. That is um, obviously before the courts at this point in time. Um, and, you know, it will uh, take as long as it takes to resolve. Uh, we certainly did not take the action that we did lightly, uh, and we stand by that action, um, but it will have no uh, material impact at all um, on uh, any part of our operation. Okay. Let me turn to podcasts and your audio strategy. I'm particularly interested in the audio fiction pillar, as you, um, you put it um, in information this week. Um, basically book readings, I guess. It's a good idea. You seem to be challenging another audio segment, Kindle and Audible and those audio book platforms. What's your expectation with this pillar? Yeah, I think, 
you know, as uh, we've we've had a lot of learnings in the first twelve months from listener, and I guess the feedback from our, our consumers, and we saw an opportunity to actually uh, fill a void in the market, which is the best-selling book in Australia. Um, and I may get these numbers slightly wrong, but you know, if you sell thirty-five thousand copies of a book, you're a bestseller, and that means that there's arguably twenty-five million nine hundred and you know sixty-five thousand. Uh, people left who may not have consumed that, uh, and that's for whatever reason. So we see this as complementary uh, to that marketplace. We see it as a void in the market, and as podcasting has improved in terms of popularity, referral, we think this is another driver of interest in digital audio. So we're, we started this journey over 12 months ago um, with Bob Campbell, who you would know well, yep. Bryden Media. Uh, Bob is famous for many things and, you know, we, uh, we worked with Bob to identify this pathway and appropriately uh, we've engaged with quite a number um, of authors uh, and writers to effectively create a audio version uh, of their book in a truncated manner. And I think that, you know, bite-sized pieces will actually do particularly well. So there, there really is a, you know, it's a short form adaptation. Um, it's not just an audio book. We're not reading the book. We are actually creating and recreating the story uh, with a shorter adaptation, um, but with the core elements of the book. And I think there's an endless appetite um, in the marketplace. So true audio innovation uh, in that regard, and we're going to keep doing things like this. Uh, and if that happens to broaden the pool, of consumption and revenue that follows, I think that's a good thing. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a, a great segment you've identified. And how will you monetize that? Will there be advertising around it or will it be subscription-based eventually? I think it can be a combination of both. Um, I think we have the opportunity to create... Um, and advertising, advertising around it in a highly contextualised manner um, through, you know, clients that wish to appeal to a highly engaged audience and which the authors are willing to embrace. Um, so that's the first thing. And I think the second thing is, yes, I think it has a subscription model that we can trial um, and tease out. And, we, you know, uh, we can go down that path across multiple genres within the book category. Um, to actually explore that. And that could be from kids all the way through to mature age uh, bestsellers. Uh, remembering that we bought Kindling last year that has a substantial library of kids' product, uh, which is you know globally recognised and award-winning, and they already have a subscription model for some of their product. So we're already in that market, but we need to learn and grow uh, that marketplace to make it more meaningful. You're, you've got a very interesting perspective on this. Having come from running television networks, 
um, television networks kind of position themselves by their type of programming, sport on a network, um, young youth programming on Channel 10, things like that. And so the network was kind of branded by the selection of genre programs that it made. And it seems to me like you're applying that kind of thinking to these strategies on Listener. Yeah, I think I can see the parallel there. I think there's a lot of learnings and there's a lot of similarities um, between broadcast assets of both TV and radio and also streaming assets of audio and video. And what I would say is I think the learnings, you know, we are adopting learnings from TV and video, and I think they will start to adopt learnings from audio. Um, If we're to do a book uh, with Zoe Foster-Blake that comes into a truncated um, scripted audio product, there's no reason that that couldn't turn into a television series, Um, and we've seen that with podcasts. So a couple of things. Yes, the way in which TV TV is programmed and the way in which networks um, focus on certain genres and programs... um, we do adopt uh, when we when we choose to some of the positive elements and learnings from TV into radio. Now, Triple M's a, a classic example. It is built on comedy, rock and sport. So we're very loyal to comedy, rock and sport and through that we have to build a vertical or a portfolio of product in sport and that's why we have the AFL, the NRL, Cricket Australia. Um, they are the three big contributors to that vertical. In terms of comedy, we have a wealth of comedy from Marty Sheargold, um, you know, uh, all the way through, and we're building that out in both broadcast and podcast capacity. Um, and even go to news, you know, the news products that we're delivering, um, partly for interest and compliance to our radio audience, um, and partly for the development of deeper stories within our podcast environment. Um, what you're seeing is the short-form version and the longer-form targeted version um, in our in our sort of listener product. And we're building that out. We're in 15 markets at this point with local news, local sport, local events, um, you know, and what's happening locally in your society or community on a geo-filtered basis. And I think that's a real opportunity. We can't afford to do that necessarily in a television broadcast market because it's a broadcaster by mm. design. We can do it with a localised format like radio and and listener. Um, So the digital opportunities are opening up these content opportunities and the more you open it up, the more demands you get from consumers and advertisers alike and therefore you get this perpetual motion of growth. I'm glad you came back to radio because while it's really interesting in the digital sphere, in the end, um, digital audio revenue is about 5% of your revenue and broadcast radio is um, uh, uh, most of the rest of the audio. So, um, of course, we need to spend a moment on radio. I just want to ask you, what do you think is your biggest challenge this year in terms of programming and radio audiences? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge for radio audiences is, um, you know, uh, the government, state and federal uh, and business more generally uh, getting back to a level of normality. Uh, As you know, radio thrives on, particularly in breakfast and drive on the commute, and the commute hasn't been at the levels uh, for good reason in the last couple of years. So we've tried to launch formats, mature formats in that period, 
um, in the absence of one of the key attributes and drivers of radio uh, being the commute. However, that commute is coming back. Um, roads are busier than ever. People are using less public transport sport and more of their personal cars, uh, which is clogging up the roads more and more often. So I think if the markets remain open, it will create a platform for more in-car consumption, awareness, trial and recommendation. That's a really good thing. Um, in respect to formats, we've, launched, we've called out today two formats that we do believe in, um, not only um, with, the, with the production values, the story arcs, but the, the producers and content, uh, uh, sorry, talent, that uh, are both within the Marty Sheargold and within Sydney Hit Breakfast. We do stand by those two formats, but they have lacked everything I just put forward in terms of trial and awareness. Um, but if the ingredients are there for success and growth, we hope that under a level of normality, that in actual fact, we will start to see growth in listenership, in referral and in trial, uh, which hopefully leads to a more substantial number. I can tell you we are getting that in our daily streams. We're seeing an improvement in our digital streaming of those two programs and related podcasts as well. But you don't necessarily see it uh, at this point in time through the normal survey results. One last thing, I saw some really good advice for advertisers, um, how to advertise after lockdown, some research that you did on um, customers being sick of hearing about COVID. I think that's some excellent advice for agencies and for companies that are coming back to advertising. As a media owner and operator, I think uh, it's incumbent upon us and all of our peers to fundamentally talk about the obvious things because we all live in a very busy lifestyle and sometimes the obvious things pass us by. So I think you have to remind and educate people and say there is a level of normality. The community is starting to operate as normal. And by the way, let's shake this flag and say it's time to re-engage if you're not already. And this is the reason why you should do it. It's a not dissimilar theme to what we have with Boomtown that we created for the regional markets, you know, where you've got 9.2 million people growing, which is 36% of the population, but only 10% of national advertisers' funds are directed towards the regions. Now, I know I've got a running partner in uh, HTE with Kieran. Yes. <laughs> um, alongside all of the other regional operators, and we will talk more aggressively together about the value, both on an economic level and, you know, uh, in terms of the quantum of that audience, and there is net positive migration to the regions. But you have to tell the story. Not every marketer nor agency has the time to find it and understand the intricacies of it. So to that end, I think it's incumbent upon us to share our knowledge and the story, and we've done that on a, on a post-COVID basis as well. Grant Blackley, thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks, Steve. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.